0: Radio Theater in the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind.
1: You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to
2: WGN Radio Theater. A special three hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl
3: Amari and Lisa Wolf.
4: Well, Lisa Wolf isn't here, but. Someone else is. His name is Wayne Messmer. A
3: hound is here instead of a wolf. (laughs) How are you, Wayne? Oh, man. It is so good to be uh, awake and alive and uh, just uh, checking out the... The scene overlooking Chicago. What do you at think this time of this of studio? Is this beautiful or it was what? Was great. Yeah, got a look, room for a lot of people.
4: There is, there is this big skyline studio here at WGN. My good friend Wayne Messmer is co-hosting tonight. Lisa is on vacation, and uh, tonight, Wayne, we have. Five classic radio shows, all with a New
3: Year's Eve theme. I love it. And I know you're familiar with these shows. I love these guys. Yeah, Ozzy and Harriet, Adventures Mm -hmm. of the Same. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, we'll have some uh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. How how is it that Watson never figures anything
4: out? He's uh, kind of a bumbling... uh, I mean, he's a doctor, so he shouldn't have been a bumbling doctor, but you're right. He's a dimwit. He is kind of a dimwit.
3: They're going to the Silly Isles. They are going to the Silly Isles. Which is a nice... Uh, that is uh, England's archi- archi- archipelago.
4: Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, now you know that. Ah, and then uh, what else do we
3: have for tonight? Ooh, we have Gildersleeve. This yeah. is a good one. This is Hal Perry. Right, it is Harold Hal Perry. Perry, yep. Yeah, the great Gildersleeve. And mm-hmm. our Miss Brooks, mm-hmm. lovely Eve Arden. right and uh robert young father knows best radio version
4: radio version way different we always remember it was way different it was completely different he was kind
3: of he was a little crabbier on this show i think he he
4: was kind of harsh with his family
3: Father on the kicks radio. But I think it's the name <laughs> of the original, but then he just changed it. And he, he softened up a lot of TV.
4: He was the only one that made the transition to television, too. All the, they got, all the rest got the axe. I love that. So, a uh, lot of classic radio shows for you here, all the way till 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm very honored to have uh, my pal Wayne Mesmer as the co host tonight. So, uh, you're going to have a lot we, of fun, oh, too. We have, a lot, we have a lot to talk lot about. A lot to talk about. Uh because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a little secret about you. You had a classic radio show years ago on WXFM. nine. Let's see, one oh s- come 106 on, come point, on. one oh six point. Uh, let me dial it back one oh five, five point, nine. point nine. nine. All right, so it, that's how I that's how I got to be friends with Wayne because he had this great radio show. It was on like six in the morning, right? It was on 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Right. Now, the guy that was doing doing it, there was somebody else doing it. His name was, I think it was Jack Cripe.
3: You are correct, sir. Jack Cripe. Yeah.
4: And he was doing this classic radio show. Now, what years were you on the air, and what years was Jack Cripe on the air? Uh, Jack would have been, like, uh, 79. Wow. I wasn't even born yet. Come on. Uh, Ah. There we go. 1963. So I was uh, 15, 16. Yeah, you're already
3: a radio nerd. Yeah, I was a radio,
4: and now I'm an even bigger nerd. Yeah. But
3: the thing, you know, the only reason we talk so often on the phone is because we didn't have a caller ID. (laughs) It's like this kid calls me all the time, but loves the, you know, I mean, just because I think you and I probably fell in love with classic radio the same way. Right. Because we missed it on... Right. We were exposed to it. Yeah. But then we saw the great stars, many of whom made the transition to TV, Mm -hmm. in a totally different light. Yep. You know, but then we wanted to see how they got their chops in radio.
4: Well, I want to ask you more about that in a bit, but we're going to play our game Guess that song, sponsored by Cat's Pride. Um, and we're going to have two songs from 1975. So a caller is going to call in, going to win a Lou Malnati's Pizza. Come on. Not bad. Call now. Can you send it here? Yeah. 312-981-7200. We'll take the fifth caller, 312-981-7200. Uh, the caller will guess, and Wayne Mesmer will be your lifeline. Stick around. Ooh. Guess that song. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to guess that song. Um, all right. Do so. I, uh, do I get
3: a Lou Melnani's if I guess it first?
4: Uh, no, only. Uh, sorry. Eh, only Fred. Uh, What's up, Fred from Brookfield? How are you, sir? I'm just fine. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. So, Wayne Messmer's Your Lifeline. Here's the first song from 1975. Come on, Freddy. Come <laughs> All right, Fred, what do you think?
5: I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh,
4: well, this is my era. This is, this is disco era. Um, so what do you does, think? Does
3: Saturday Night Fever do anything
4: for well, you, Well, Saturday Fred? Night Fever, yeah, that's a good hint. Uh, Travolta. Yeah, help it all.
3: No, I'm
6: afraid I'm a, of a different generation
3: Alright, well, let's, uh, what do you think? What uh, if it were Danny Kaye singing? <laughs> would you, you'd know, Fred, you'd know Danny Kaye Yeah, he would definitely know right? Danny Kaye yeah. Alright, oh, yeah, so what oh, do you yeah. think? There you go I, I think, I think uh, he got it, just because he didn't know it And yeah. I don't like that song anyway Well,
4: it's Bee Gees, Bee, Bee Gees definitely well, for sure You know the song? It's it's Jive
3: talking. Jive talking. Sing along, Fred. All
4: right, Fred, here's your second song. <laughs> no problem. It's all right. You're a winner no matter what. Here's the second song, 1975.
3: what do you think you know fred
7: no i don't
5: know at all all right what do you think
3: fred if you were a big in the martial arts remember (laughs) that show uh kung fu yes the tv show absolutely remember you ever see that one yeah
8: no i'm far removed from all right
3: oh okay well Uh, all right so what do you think i think that fred has been kind enough to be patient with our shenanigans so that he can hear some classic old-time rhythm. <laughs> All right, here's the song. It Everybody is kung, kung Fu
9: Fighting.
10: Those kids were fastest
3: All right, so
4: Fred's a big winner. He is going to win a Lumal Nadi's Pizza. Thanks, Fred, for playing the game with us. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Way to go. All right, we're going to start things off now with the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, they were really kind of... Um, well known for their television show, but as you know, Wayne, they had a long run on radio, too. And in fact, they started as uh, sort of the singing and uh, band lead. The singer, she was the singer on the Red Skelton Show, and he was the band leader on Red Skelton Show. And then when Red went into the Army, left the void. So they, they kind of took over. I know
3: Harriet Hilliard. She had and would have had a great career on her own, but uh, the Ozzie Nelson Band Orchestra... That was yeah, great stuff. She was a great singer. He was the, uh, you know in doing some research here uh, it was uh, he with the contract he had with ABC television unbelievable 10 year no matter what if, he, if
4: they, Even if it didn't pan out, they had to pay him for 10 years. Can you imagine that? No, not
3: in, no, not in this on, day and man. age. Corporate lawyer. Wait no. a minute. You're telling <laughs> me if we cancel the show, we still got to pay this guy? Well, that's uh, that's what I'm that's telling exactly you. That's exactly what would have been. What Are have been. you
4: nuts? Are you crazy? Yeah. All right. Well, let's listen to a New Year's uh, show. It's from January 2nd, so a day after uh, New Year's Day, 1949, sponsored by International Silver. I remember my grandmother Ooh, had International Silver silver uh let's tune this in the uh uninterrupted now the adventures of ozzy and
11: harriet Well, you didn't tell me did you make any new year's resolutions oh sure what are they
12: you're not supposed to tell are you oh sure i know when i can tell in fact that's part of the resolution to tell millions and millions more people that the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is international sterling
8: The solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of International Sterling, presents The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. Since the dawn of recorded history, mankind has greeted the arrival of the new year with celebrations and rejoicing. 5,000 years ago, on New Year's Eve, a famous Egyptian said, And so it goes. A new year is born, and the old year takes its place on the pages of history. And in everybody's mind
11: is an acute awareness of the passage of time. Did we get any 1949 calendars yet, Harriet?
12: Well, if you mean the ones in the garage, it's over there on the table.
11: Oh, yeah. Hey, look, they're using a different girl this year. She isn't wearing much for January, is she? Wonder how she keeps warm.
12: (laughs) Well, those looks you're giving her must help a little. (laughs)
11: Hey, look here, take a look at February. See, things start to get interesting. She's taking off her gloves.
12: When you get to June, don't expect anything. I tore that one out. (laughs) You want more coffee?
11: Yeah, thanks. You know, I have a feeling 1949 is going to be a very nice year.
12: Started off very well.
11: Yeah, I thought so. In fact, that was one of the best New Year's Eve parties I've ever been Mm -hmm. to.
12: It was a lot of fun. There's only one thing I didn't like about it. I don't like the idea of teaming the men against the women.
11: Oh, you mean in the word game? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, naturally, you didn't like it because the wives lost.
12: Well, no, not that. I just don't think it's fair to make the wives compete against their husbands. Oh, I understand how you
11: feel. We really trounced you, didn't we?
12: Well, if you put it that way, maybe we just didn't try as hard as the men.
11: Oh, sure, that's the answer. You let us win. The wives were so much in love with their husbands that you let us win.
12: I didn't say that. I simply said that maybe we didn't try as hard as you men.
11: Oh, I don't think we tried especially hard. In fact, it seemed to me we won pretty easily. You tried hard, but we were a little smarter.
12: Uh, I'm so glad to hear you say that, dear. Some of the girls thought we made it too obvious.
11: (laughs) Oh, no. You fooled me completely.
9: Hi,
12: Mom. Hi,
11: Pop. Hi. Oh, boys. Boys, let me give you a word of fatherly advice. Never let yourselves get drawn into competition with girls.
9: Guy, Pop, you don't think we play with girls, do you? Oh, no. What about the spelling match? When was that? Oh, he means at the school Christmas party. We stood the girls in a spelling match.
11: Oh, and naturally the girls didn't try very hard, so the boys won hands down.
9: Oh, no, they beat the pass (laughs) office. Gee, I don't remember that part.
11: (laughs) girls actually won fair and square?
9: Yeah, they were just too much for us. We didn't stand a chance.
11: Oh, I'm surprised, David. That's no attitude to take. Let's examine just why the girls won. Is it because they're brighter than you? No. More alert? No. Have more knowledge? No.
9: Isn't that funny? I would have said yes to all those things. (laughs)
12: Let's
11: get to the real reason the girls won.
9: I know. Girls don't have as much to
12: worry about as we do. Well, not only that Maybe you were just being nice to the girls And tried to lose
9: the spelling match We didn't have to try to lose It was the easiest thing I've ever done <laughs> I don't like girls anyway Ricky's a little sore On account of what happened at Susie Dunkel's party The girls insisted on playing post office Fooly. Sounds like you boys had quite a party Julie Thornberry said she had a letter for Ricky <laughs> She sure can't really understand. <laughs> Yeah Why does she want to kiss me? She's got a cat. Let her kiss that. (laughs) Come to think of it, the girls won all the prizes at that party, too. Of all the dopey games, pin the tail on the donkey. It's No wonder you didn't like it. Next time, don't insist on being the donkey.
11: (laughs) Well, don't worry about it, boys. As soon as the girls get a little older, they'll let you boys win all the prizes. See, that's a little trick that the women use to make the men think they're smarter. At least that's what your mother says.
9: Not much sense in being a boy these days, is there? Come on, Rick. Let's throw the ball around. You know, it might be fun to have a spelling match at our next party.
11: Oh, sure. And I suppose the wives would just murder the poor husbands. i tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a word right now you can't spell. An easy one, too. Spell Glockenspiel?
12: <laughs> G-L-O-C-K-E-N-S-P-I-E-L. Glockenspiel? <laughs> wrong? Huh? Was I right? Well, all right. How do you spell glockenspiel?
11: Well, let's be fair. Don't give me the same word. (laughs) Hi, Oz. Oh, hello, Bernie. Here to join me in carrying out this barrel of ashes? No, thanks. Sure, keeping the basement cleaned up. The New Year's resolution? In a way, Catherine made it for me.
10: <laughs>
11: Women are sure hard to understand. Ah, it's impossible. Harriet and I were talking about the New Year's Eve party, you know, over at the Randolphs. Oh, did you get a little lecture, too? No, no. Harriet and I were just talking about the games we played. Huh,
13: I should think she'd want to keep that quiet.
11: Women didn't win a darn thing. Pretty solid proof of male superiority, I'd say. <laughs> I know this is perfectly silly, Thorny, but has it ever occurred to you that women might lose to men on purpose? You have a fever, Oz? No, 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 I'm serious. Women are pretty strange. They might just do a thing like that, you know, just to make the husbands feel superior. Sort of butter us up.
13: Well, that doesn't make sense, Oz.
11: At least not right after Christmas. (laughs) Well, and how do you explain the fact that women are such good losers? They lose all the time, and they still smile. Oh, look, us women lose, they smile. But they have their own little ways of getting even with us for beating them. They're
13: clever us, devilishly clever. I beat Catherine a little game of gin rummy the other night, and what did she do? Turned off my side of the electric blanket, and I nearly froze to death. <laughs> Maybe you're
11: right. I wonder if that was just Harriet's way of getting even with me, you know, trying to make me think the girl's lost on purpose. Well, there's no doubt about it, Oz. Huh? And the
13: dangerous part of it is it's little things like that that cause a man to lose control of the reins in his own home.
11: Oh, Thorny, I don't think it's that important.
13: Okay, Oz. But if I were you, I'd get the upper hand again before it's too late. The husband has got to keep control of the household. Why don't you go in there and involve Harriet in
11: some sort of competition and beat her fair and square? Maybe you're right. Certainly can't do any harm. No, I'll just challenge her to some sort of a contest and beat her. Right. Now, what's something I'm sure to win at? Yeah. <laughs> How about growing a mustache faster than she can? Thorny, it's got to be something she has a chance at. See, I know checkers. It's a good game, and I don't think she's ever played it.
10: <laughs> By
11: golly, Thorny, I'll prove to her I'm a better man than she is. <laughs> Uh, Harriet. Yes, dear? <laughs> How about a little game of checkers?
12: Oh, I have to do the dishes, dear.
11: Oh, come on. Just one game of checkers.
12: All right. We'll play kitchen checkers. You take the dirty saucers, and I'll take the dirty cups, and we'll move them around the dishpan.
11: <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand, Harriet. I happen to feel like a little competition. I'll bet I can toss a penny closer to the edge of the linoleum than you can.
12: I don't want to play games, dear.
11: You mean you don't want to be beaten? You must have seen my high school yearbook. Probably read how good I was at pitching pennies.
12: Here, why don't you have a cookie? That'll keep you quiet.
11: Oh, boy, chocolate. Why don't you have one, too?
12: They do look good.
11: I could eat a dozen of them. So could I. I'll bet I can eat more cookies than you can. (laughs)
12: I'll bet you can, too. Are you trying to draw me into some sort of competition?
11: Not necessarily. How about some ping pong?
12: No, thanks, dear.
11: I'll give you an advantage. I'll play left-handed. No, thanks. I'll play blindfolded. No, thanks. Without a paddle. No. Doubled up with my head between my legs, I'll be the ball. No, dear. Well, I don't play. It is sort of useless for a woman to compete with a man.
12: (laughs) Yes, it is, dear.
11: You mean you don't disagree with that statement I just made?
12: No, I think you're right.
11: Well, let's shake hands. That's it. Now put your foot against my foot, like this. Now this is what's known as Indian hand wrestle.
12: You want another pillow under your head?
11: Uh, No, thanks.
12: You want to sit over here in your easy chair?
11: No, thank you, dear. I'm very comfortable lying here on the couch.
12: You aren't angry with me,
11: are you? Why should I be? You didn't throw me. I slipped.
12: I'm sorry. That soap just squished out of my hand when you grabbed me. Hope you didn't loosen a vertebrae.
11: I landed right on the base of my spine, the lower part. It, it, it could have pushed my spinal column right straight up. I'd have one horn on my head.
12: Would you like me to fill up your hot water bottle again?
11: No, thanks. I haven't finished drinking this yet. <laughs> What are you knitting? A pair of socks. Is it difficult to knit a pair of socks?
12: Not once you've learned. You aren't thinking of taking it up, are you?
11: Just making conversation. Just for the fun of it, show me how you do it. Just give me an idea.
12: Well, roughly it's like this. You take one needle and loop the yarn over like this. Then you slide it off. That's knit. And then you reverse the process like this, and then slide these loops off. That's a Pearl.
11: And to me, I'll show you how fast I pick up stuff.
12: Oh, Captain, Just you... Just
11: loop it over like this, and you slide these off. Where did everything go?
12: Yeah, that was fast, dear. It took me an hour to do what you undoed in two seconds.
11: What did I do? You unraveled it. it certainly is delicate. How does it stay together in a sweater? You know, I never realized what nerve it takes for a woman to wear a sweater I
10: <laughs>
11: wonder how long it take me to knit a pair of socks
12: Too long, give the needles back there
11: Oh, sure, I couldn't possibly knit a pair of socks as fast as you could
12: well, Of course you couldn't
11: I was hoping you'd say that What do you mean? I think we've got ourselves a little contest
12: Oh, Ozzy, you couldn't... Shall we
11: begin? Just get me some needles all I want you to do is show me how it's done, and I may as well warn you, be prepared for a fight. When I was at Boy Scout camp, I learned to make a straw hat in one hour.
12: But, Ozzy, that isn't like making a sock.
11: It looked like one.
12: <laughs> well, I'll show you how, dear, but let's not make it a contest.
11: You're afraid I might finish my sock sooner than you'll finish yours.
12: No, I'm afraid you might knit yourself into a bag and suffocate. <laughs>
11: what irony. Beating Harriet at her own game. This will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that men... ...are superior to women.
8: See that man... The one so seriously engrossed in the work before him? That's Ozzie Nelson, one-time holder of the title, Man. You know what's running through his mind? He's wondering which is the superior towel in the bathroom, his or hers. (laughs) At present, he's engaged in a bitter struggle. The struggle of a man determined to maintain his dignity and to preserve his rightful place as head of the household. Note the square jaw. The steely blue eyes. The look of determination. The look of a man ready to fight. A fair fight, yes, but a tough one. Knit one. Pearl one.
11: Knit one. Pearl one.
10: Knit
11: one. Pearl... Come on in, Farney. I just came
13: over...
11: Well, Mother McCree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm knitting. Oh, Are you expecting a cuddly little visitor? No, I wasn't, but as long as you're here, sit down. I know it's January, but if you want some strawberries, I'll go get them for you. (laughs) Don't make fun of me, Thorny. You suggested I get into a contest with Harriet, and this is it. A sock knitting contest. Uh, Push the book over closer, will you, Thorny? Oh, knitting instructions. Item one, knit. Item two, purl. What are you doing, Oz? Item one or item two? Uh, item three, untangling the mess. <laughs> Let's see. Move hands together, keeping needles and fingers in motion. That's it. Knit one. Curl one. Knit one. Curl one. Needles working harmoniously. Action of the fingers nicely synchronized. Oh, nice. Knit one, curl one. <laughs> Knit one,
10: curl one.
11: How do you like that, Thorn? Oh, that's very good, Oz. Now let's
13: see you try it with the yarn.
11: <laughs> see, that's the trouble. It works perfectly till I try it with the yarn. But yeah. well, try it again. Maybe I can find out what's wrong. Well, oh, just follow me along in the book there. Now I grasp the yarn with my left hand. I slip the needle through the loop. Now, with the right hand, I pull the yarn over the left and slip the needle through. Now, I cross the yarn over the right hand and slip the needle through. Now what? Now, if you'll untie my hands, I'll continue. (laughs)
10: It
11: happens every time. Let me see what it says here. It says, wait a minute. Yeah, I think I see what I'm doing wrong. Over Slide Under Through Slide Say, I've got it Knit one Pearl one That's the old fight Knit one. Knit
13: one Pearl one Knit one Pearl one It's just sort of a knack Knit one Pearl one Knit one Pearl, one. Knit one, pearl. Oz, I knew you could do it At a girl, Oz, Look at me, <laughs> Come
10: on, Oz,
11: keep going Knit one Knit one. Pearl one. Pearl one. Knit one. Pearl one. Knit one. Pearl one. Knit. <laughs> Item three again. <laughs> it's no use, Thorny. Just look at this.
13: One. Oh, don't give up now, Oz. You were doing great.
11: Well, I'll give it one more try. Through here. Loop over the yarn. Slide the needle down. Under here. Over there, easy does it. Knit one, purl one. Knit one, (laughs) purl. Yeah. Knit one, purl one. You're a devil with those needles. So you're sitting on my ball of yarn.
13: Sorry, I wondered what that was moving around.
11: one, purl one. Knit one, purl one. Knit one, purl one. That's it. Good ball. Knit one, purl one. Keep it
13: up, up. Knit one, purl one. I have to go. See you later. Do not give up.
11: I won't purl one. not, i see. Goodbye. Thorny, (laughs) knit Knit two, purl two. Hi, Pop. Oh, hi, fellows. I didn't hear you come in.
9: What are you doing, Pop?
11: Now, that's a silly question. See these needles flying? What does it look like I'm doing?
9: Bleeding to death.
11: (laughs) A hand in one of those band-aids. I happen to be knitting a pair of socks.
9: What part of the sock is that you're working on? Gee, it isn't the toe, and it doesn't look like the heel.
11: Well, it started out to be the heel, but it was a little too small, so I decided to make it the toe, but it was a little too big, so it's going to be the uh, the coin pocket.
9: (laughs) The coin pocket? I never heard of socks with coin pockets.
11: Well, I think these will have them. (laughs)
9: <laughs>
11: anyway, neatness doesn't count in the contest
9: What contest, Pop? Oh,
11: it's just a little contest your mother and I are having To see who can knit a pair of socks faster
9: See, David, Pop's just like me
11: What do you mean, Ricky?
9: Oh, he's been challenging all the girls to games Ever since they beat us in the spelling match Oh? He even challenged Mary Benson to Indian hand wrestling
11: Oh, really? What happened? I
9: I slipped <laughs> <laughs> I bet Mom will be awful embarrassed if you beat her, huh, Pop?
11: Oh, I don't think so, David.
9: You think she'll cry?
11: Don't be silly. Your mother doesn't cry.
9: Yes, she does, Pop. She cries sometimes, but she never lets you see her. Is that because she loves you so much, Pop?
11: Well, I, I suppose so.
9: I don't think she'll cry this time. She'll feel awful bad, but she's brave, boy. I wish I was as brave as Mom... Ricky was even crying in the movies the other day. Oh yeah, I saw. Oh
11: look, boys, uh, uh, you don't understand this. You see, I'm not trying to make your mother cry. This is just a little uh, friend. Oh darn these needles! They hand me another one of those band-aids. will you two? Of them. <laughs> I think it went clear through. <laughs>
9: Where are you going? Downstairs.
11: Did you hear a burglar? If I had, I wouldn't be going downstairs. <laughs> I'll tell you a little secret. I've I've been thinking things over, and I'm going down and do a little work on your mother's knitting. See, I, I want to make sure she wins. After all, I, I don't want to make her cry.
9: You're going to knit on her socks to help her?
11: Well, yes. Something wrong?
9: No, I guess not. You sure do get yourself in some tough spots, don't you, Pop?
12: That's the third time you've yawned this morning, dear. Didn't you sleep well last night?
11: Mm, Not too well. I, I dreamt I was knitting. I'm awful tired of knitting, Harriet. I'm willing to admit defeat.
12: Oh, no, dear. The way you catch on to things, I'll bet you're way ahead of me. No, not a chance.
11: In fact, I'll bet if we take a look at what you've knitted so far and what I've knitted so far, we'll find you're way, way ahead.
12: Okay, let's take a look. Let's see, where did I leave my knitting when I went to bed last night?
11: Right there on the windowsill. I wonder where I left mine.
12: In the piano bench.
11: Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> see, hey, here we are. See, take a look at mine. It's... it's all done.
12: Well, it's wonderful, dear. And look at mine. It's only half.
11: All done. Well, I, I knew. That is, I, I thought, you well, I this mean... it's very
12: strange. My sock looks terrible. I don't knit like
11: this. Well, I don't think it looks so bad.
12: It looks like a wool funnel.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
12: what
11: do you expect? I, I couldn't turn on any lights. I had to knit in the kitchen with the refrigerator door open.
12: <laughs> what are you trying
11: to say? Well, I just came downstairs for a little bite to eat, and I happened to have my knitting needles with me, and... What about my sock? It looks pretty darn good. Good? It looks excellent. You didn't, by any chance, come down last night for a little snack, did you?
12: No, I didn't, dear. I came down to finish your socks.
11: (laughs) But why did you want to finish my socks?
12: Because I wanted you to win. Why did you finish my socks?
11: Because I wanted you to win. (laughs) Isn't this silly?
12: Darling, what a beautiful thought. You wanted me to win.
11: No, I'm, I'm just a softie, I guess. But don't give me credit. It, it was really the boys. They sort of shamed me into it. In fact, they even suggested that if I won, you might start. What's the matter?
12: Well, it was so thoughtful of you, dear. I, I'm sorry. I think I'm going to cry. Oh, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's...
9: Mom, what's the matter?
14: Nothing, boys. How can you cry?
11: Oh,
9: I see you won after all, huh, Pa?
11: No, 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 I didn't. i mean your, your mother's laughing. Ah! No, no, she's she, she, no, she's crying because she's happy. Boys, boys, no, boys.
8: Ozzie and Harriet will be back in just a moment. You know, I think Ozzy should have stuck to the strictly masculine pursuits and let Harriet handle the feminine. There's no doubt about it. Things work out better that way.
15: Well, maybe, Mr. Smith. But what would you say if I told you that my husband was the one who chose the silver for our home? It was international sterling silver, too. In what I think is the most beautiful sterling pattern of all. Pray you.
8: Well, I'd say that your husband is a man who has a fine appreciation for beautiful things. There's no lovelier solid silver in the world than that created by international sterling, you know. Every piece is artist-designed, as carefully finished as a rare jewel. And that Prelude pattern certainly is one of International's loveliest designs.
15: Mm, not too plain, not too fancy. It's just right with that delicate flower ornament. And we were pretty happy about
9: the price of Prelude, too, Mr. Smith. Imagine buying anything these days that hasn't gone sky high.
8: International sterling is a wonderful value, all right. Its prices haven't gone up in four years.
15: Why, we figured we saved about $20 by getting eight-piece settings in International Sterling's prelude pattern rather than some other Sterling. Honestly, I think every woman ought to take a look at International Sterling patterns right away. Ah,
8: words of wisdom from one who knows. See your International Sterling dealer tomorrow, folks. See the solid silver with beauty that lives forever. Famous International Sterling.
10: (laughs)
11: I think it was a wonderful idea for us to call the contest off, don't you?
12: Oh, sure. By calling it off, it makes it a draw.
11: That's right, and definitely proves once and for all that men are superior to women.
12: Now, just a minute, you didn't win. Oh, yes, I did.
11: For 13 years, I've been trying to get you to knit me a pair of wool socks. And now, by tricking you into this contest, I'm finally going to get a pair.
12: Oh, dear, I didn't tell you, did I? Tell me what? I promised this pair of socks to Thorny.
11: You mean after I slaved over that pair of socks and worked my poor fingers to the bone, he gets them? Oh,
12: yes. As a matter of fact, when he came over yesterday morning, he said he wished he could think of some way to get them knitted faster.
11: So that's why he gave me all that encouragement. Where are my knitting needles?
12: What are you going to do, dear?
11: You see this ugly, contorted mass of sock I've knitted?
12: Oh, I don't know, dear. It might fit somebody. Oh, yes.
11: It'll (laughs) fit anybody who happens to wear a size 23 shoe and has a quarter-inch ankle. (laughs) I'm going to knit a mate, and I'll give them to Thorny. He'll wear them. They'll cut off his blood supply at the ankles. His feet will be like icebergs. His wife will divorce him. He'll be a ruined man. What revenge?
13: Knit one. pearl one. (laughs) Knit
10: one.
11: Tune in again next
8: week to another adventure of Ozzie and Harriet starring Ozzy Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And
12: remember, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling.
11: Yes, Harriet, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Appearing in support of
8: Ozzy and Harriet were John Brown, Tommy Bernard, and Henry Blair. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. This program originates in the Hollywood studios of the National Broadcasting Company and is also broadcast over the Trans-Canada network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is NBC... Excuse me.
14: This is Buddy Cisco, Horace Heights present champion, hoping you'll hear me putting up the fight of my life
13: the next half hour over NBC, the national broadcasting company.
3: That guy sounded like uh, Henry Aldrich, it, didn't he? It? it sounded so, like him. It. it also sounded like that uh, the chimes were off. It sounded like the chimes. Yeah. They sounded uh, like they were warbly.
4: Maybe they did it underwater that time. I As mean, like you
3: learn in, in music theory: bomb, bomb. Bom. Okay, what is that? bum, 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 you know, and, and but they went bum, bum, um, bum. Maybe Maybe it was I'm a sure. new guy hitting the... Uh, I think it was. He
4: didn't uh, have the mallet technique down. <laughs> he didn't. Ozzie and Harriet, January 2nd, 1949, New Year's program. Uh, John Brown in that cast. Do you remember Uh-oh. John Brown? He was thorny on, uh, on this show, but he also played, uh, he was uh, Gillis on the Life of of Riley Radio Wife Show. of Riley with William Bendix. And he was also J.B. O'Dell, the Ooh, friendly gonna...
3: undertaker. Oh, yeah. We have, uh... Hello, Riley. You're looking <laughs> good. Very natural. Oh, very natural, yeah. <laughs> I've got to be shoveling off. off.
4: Wayne Messmer is my co-host tonight <laughs> till 3 o'clock in the morning. We're going to talk with Wayne a little more, but... First, we got to pay some bills. My co host tonight, Wayne Mesmer. Hello. Yes, indeed. He is uh, my co host all the way to 3 o'clock in the morning. And we got to know each other because of Classic Radio. And I yeah. thought, wow, Lisa's out of town. I saw Wayne at Dave Plyer's party. And I said,
3: Wayne, please do me a favor. Yeah, it really took an arm twist. <laughs> I I said, "Come on, of course. So we host follow- the show with me." Yeah. We I mean, we do have a history and We I, do. I've- I have a surprise for you, Ooh. Uh, which uh, you know will be great when we hold it up to the camera here. In the you radio. will have to, but we only have a minute, so let's save it till the
4: next hour. But yeah, I can't wait. Wayne's been telling me he has a surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Wayne used to do a show WXFM, and he played classic radio. And I used to just bug him and bug him. I was a young, I was seventeen, eighteen years old. A whippersnapper. Was a whippersnapper. And uh, I learned a lot about classic radio thanks to Wayne, and uh, and he loves this stuff. He told me, and this is true. He told me he listens to classic radio shows pretty much every day. Well, a- a- every day, no yeah. question. At least two hours. He loves classic radio.
3: What an honor to have you on the air with me, my friend. This is fun. I love listening to the shows. I love uh, just you know getting back to the time when these actually played. What was going on?
4: Mm,
3: you uh-huh. Yeah. We are also very
4: honored to have. Ashley Byhan is our producer tonight. The best in the biz. Hi, Ashley.
16: Hello, hello. How's it
4: going there, kiddo?
16: It's going well, and I'm excited to be with you guys.
4: She's an amazing, amazing producer. I'm very lucky. And we have Sherlock Holmes coming up. So stick around. Me and Wayne Messer will be here till 3 o'clock. that must be Memorex, because it can't be live, because she's in Florida. Well, you know, Lisa there.
3: That was me. I'm a ventriloquist. <laughs> Although the thought of a ventriloquist on a radio still does mm. puzzle me, Mr. Bergen.
4: Yes, it is. When he tried to pitch that idea to uh, NBC at the time, what do you think they were just looking at him when the blank space, and there was like the little... Chirp, 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 chirp. Yeah, chirp, yeah.
3: Chirp. He's got to be right? cuckoo until you know. Oh, 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 <laughs> Mortimer, Mortimer. Snurd and, uh,
4: and his yeah. music. Would, boom, ah, boom, you know. And he, you he know would what? It was one of the most. Might have been the most popular show in the nineteen late nineteen thirties. The Edgar Berg and Charlie McCarthy Show. I love Charlie. I yeah. have a Charlie
3: McCarthy doll.
4: Do you? Yeah. <laughs> How about the Museum of Broadcast Communication? They have the actual Mortimer Snurd, Effie Clinker. And Charlie McCarthy dolls over there. It's
3: My amazing. wife is going to donate something there. Mm. She has, a, and it's a paper, like construction paper, pretty large, like about four feet by three feet, and it's mechanical by pulling a string. And it was uh, done by P.J. Hoff, mm. the weatherman at yeah. the Channel Two, sure. with Fahey Flynn, Fahey Flynn, and. Uh, it was off of his set, and he
4: signed it to her. Oh, very cool. The Museum of Broadcast Communications, uh, good old uh, Dave Plyer, he's he's turning that place into an amazing uh, destination. You have to go to the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Are they for open sure. right now? They are. They right are. now. No, they're not open right now because it's uh, 11, 10 after 11. Oh, okay. But I believe. <laughs> but you can go over to the museum. Actually, they're 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 actually remodeling it right now, so I think it's closed right now. Oh, all right, all right. So uh, in this hour, mm-hmm. Wayne Mesmer, my yes, co-host, sir. we have uh, Sherlock Holmes, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve off the uh, silly Isle with John Stanley and Alfred Shirley. They took over for Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. So that's coming up in this hour. A little later, it's Gildersleeve, and Our Miss Brooks, and Father Knows Best. We'll be here till three o'clock in the morning. Gildy. <sighs> Great show. Oh. Hal Perry. I know. know Pete for. Hey,
3: I know what P stands for.
4: Well, I do too, but I want to hear if you know, because there's two there's two uh there's two answers. Well, there's a source to where my All right, where is yours answer
3: from? emanates. Okay. Uh it would emanate from uh very specifically, episode 258 of October 22nd of 1940. And he actually says Philharmonic on it?
4: Philharmonic. Oh, my gosh. And other times <laughs> when uh, they interviewed Hal Perry, said it stood for P, for Perry. <laughs> so I think Philharmonic's a lot better. Way better. All right, we're going to play uh, Guess That Song, sponsored by Cat's Pride 1975. Let's, uh, let's go with caller number three. You're going to win a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. Call now 312 981 7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. Wayne Mesmer is your lifeline. Hello, Grace from Dalton. How Hello. are you? I'm
14: doing well, and uh, I don't, Wayne. I don't know if you remember me, but we used
16: to listen to WXFM when you were on. You know How
3: about um, that? Yeah. yeah, that was that was in the uh, early nineteen eighties through the eighties. Wow, I spent eight, eight years there. So, but so, we did uh, three years of uh, just what was known as the WXFM 106, yeah. uh, old-time radio show.
4: So, so right. Grace, were you listening to Wayne when he was playing the classic radio shows back Yes, then? I was, wow. every morning. Isn't that great? Me, too. We were both listening to Wayne together.
17: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and so now he's your lifeline. You ready? Okay. All right, 1975, hit it.
17: A long distance, directly assistance,
14: every two-on-two.
4: Say hey M-R. this is Mr. Alright, that's all you get. So what do you think, uh Grace? Oh, what is that
3: boy. song? That's a good one. That's a good song.
9: Um
3: mm. Do you uh do you run or do you walk? Wait, is this a bad clue? It might yeah. be a bad clue. I don't know. Alright, disregard that. Alright,
4: so <laughs> did when you were listening to Wayne, did you call him on the phone at
12: all? Uh, he sent me a
4: couple shadow tapes. Ah, time. shadow. Wow, generous of you, Wayne. <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. All right, so. <laughs> What's your guess, Grace? What do you think this song is, Grace? Um, Any idea? You're a winner anyway, so if you don't know, it's okay.
9: No, uh, I don't know.
4: Wayne, do you know it? Uh, it's a Bing Crosby, White Christmas. <laughs> yeah,
5: right.
4: <laughs> All right, let's 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 play it. It's actually Sugarloaf, Don't Call Us, We'll Call You.
5: the cat was cold. He said, don't call us, child, we'll call you.
4: You know, this song actually features an imitation of Wolfman Jack in it for a very short period of time. Great song. Don't call us, we'll call you. It's all about, actually, Sugarloaf's uh, difficulties breaking into the music industry.
3: I'm going to barge in here. Okay, you barge right in. This is uh, incompetent, irrelevant, and immaterial. (laughs) Yeah, right. Perry Mason say. Grace, did you you ever hear Sugarloaf? No. Amen. What's the next song? I think the (laughs) next... Here's the next song.
14: I'm too old for. Uh, Philadelphia Freedoms oh,
4: Philadelphia Freedom. Oh, she's uh, got it.
9: Elton John.
4: You Ooh. know it. Elton John, Philadelphia Freedom. Let's play a little bit more of it. I live free, it's yes, indeed. Elton John Band. This hit number four uh, on the U.S. charts and a big hit for Elton John.
3: Written for a women's sporting team. That's right. <laughs> Billie Jean
4: King was a good friend of Elton John, and she was on the, a team called Philadelphia Freedom. There you have it. Yeah. Wow. All, All right. right, Grace, you're a big winner. You're going to win a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. The 60 Minute Men visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Great job. And uh, thanks for listening to Wayne and uh, and me tonight. Uh, oh, it's great.
3: Let's Take talk every guys. every forty years. Let's have a chat. <laughs> Take care. All right, Way to mind. go, Grace.
4: Uh, great job. All right, so Grace is a big winner and huge our, winner. Our listeners are going to be big winners because we're going to tune uh, into Sherlock Holmes in just a moment. But you said you had a surprise for me. Can we I talk do about before it? we head off to the yeah, silly
3: Isles. The silly Isles. Yes, I have a presentation that I'm going to make. mm Hmm. From uh, May, June, WXFM 106 old time Radio Program Guide and Cassette Catalog. Okay. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Uh, that's hey, me I, handi- reaching oh my bad my God. shoulder.
4: Hey, that wasn't, that's not bad.
3: That's, that's not bad. That's pretty darn good. That was a good one. What I it, remember what? drawing this.
4: Yeah, I drew the cover of, uh, look at this, original cover art. Carl Amari Jr., who is that guy? I he's, don't know. I, and a uh, a pest. he was a pest. Hal Perry, uh, Lou Costello, Cecil B. DeMille, Charlie McCarthy, Jimmy Durani Fred Allen, Superman in the Shadow. Okay, so what we'll have to do, maybe we can, can we post this? Yeah, we'll post this.
3: Uh, wow, not bad. And I said that was good, therefore, the September-October issue. Oh, boy. He came back with a... Jim and Marion Jordan. You know, I did. I can tell. I did this with
4: pen and ink. This was a. This was a. Um, I must have done this in art school. I was uh, really trying to be an art. This is 1981, my senior year of high school. Look at Ooh. these. Hey, pretty. I got. I have another career if anything uh, falls
3: through here. Well, you might as well make it three. Oh my gosh! Look at this guy, Fred Allen. As another we said, Fred not Allen. The, not the handsomest lad to ever appear. No, not uh, in public. but no, uh, he seems uh, not it.
4: Wow, you hung on to these. I'm those, uh... I,
3: yeah. I have those in mint condition, and on the, f- on the on the backside, I have just the black and white copies. Wow, we'll have to
4: post these. You got to see some of the, my uh, early artwork, folks. I think I did put something on Facebook, and I was kind of hoping that you didn't see it. I did not because I don't look at Facebook, but uh, that's probably uh, yeah, eliminating <laughs> the chances of you seeing it. <laughs> at least it would, Lisa would would come back right there and say, "Well, Carl can't read, so that's oh, why," you know. Well. Um, all right. Well, Sherlock Holmes, time. You ready for uh, yeah for yeah. a uh, trip to the
3: silly Isles? Um, this it's was a mutual disaster. It's a disaster over there. I know. And who are they kidding? Yeah. They, they what they named the boat? The uh, gigantic. The is that what it is? Yeah. It happening in nineteen twelve. Uh, gigantic Titanic. It's, yeah. Uh, you know. So. Uh, yeah. That that one didn't float so well. Once it hit that. Uh, okay. Where's the symbol crash when you do that? Hang on a second. There you go. Now it's just pathetic when you get it that late.
4: (laughs) So this is a December twenty eighth, nineteen forty seven broadcast. It's a New Year's Eve show. Um, This is uh,
3: sponsored by uh, the the clothing that you use, isn't it? Yeah, Clippercraft. Don't you dress by Clippercraft? I always
4: wear my Clippercraft
3: clothes.
4: uh, I do say. Maybe I will be Watson because he was bumbling. You can be Holmes. How, How about sound? I'll be neither? <laughs> You'd be <laughs> Nigel or neither? No, I'll be neither. All right, here's uh, the adventures of Sherlock Holmes.
0: From New York, the makers of Clippercraft clothes for men and 924 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is portrayed by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Meiser. Well, here we are once again on the threshold of Dr. Watson's study. We find Mr. Holmes, genial biographer, strutting up and down in front of his fireplace. Evening, Doctor. You look fit. The Christmas festivities don't seem to have got you down.
6: I am fit, Mr. Harris. Very fit. Better than that, I am rather well fitted. A great
0: Scott man. Where are your eyes? <laughs> why, Dr. Watson, don't tell me Santa Claus brought you a clippercraft
6: crack suit. Well, why not? Just because I'm a wee bit uh, venerable doesn't mean <laughs> I'm antique. I still enjoy making a good impression, don't you know?
0: (laughs) Well, in that suit, it'll be the girls that go... (laughs) when you walk down the street, Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously now, Doctor, suppose you tell us what tonight's story is to be about.
6: Well, tonight I thought I'd relate how Holmes and I spent New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles.
0: The Silly Isles? That sounds appropriate, Doctor.
6: The name of these particular islands is spelled S-C-I-L-L-Y. They are located roughly a hundred miles southwest of Land's End, Mr. Harris.
0: Oh, what in the world were you doing there on New Year's Eve? Trying to prevent a
6: great maritime catastrophe. You remember what happened to the Titanic? You know what happened to the Lusitania? Well, the lives of those on the ocean liner gigantic, Were in even greater danger... When Holmes and I went over the side on New Year's Eve in the year 1912, uh, oh, but good heavens, <laughs> Then I go getting ahead of myself again. Suppose I fix us a uh, Tom and Jerry while you tell our listeners how to start
0: the year right in a Clippercraft clothes. Fair enough, Dr. Watson. Millions of men, like you, will start the new year in a smart new Clippercraft suit and overcoat. Yes, today more men than ever before wear Clippercraft clothes. For we've sold more Clippercraft clothes than ever before in our entire history. There's a reason, of course. The wise old American public, with its eye for value, has pronounced Clippercraft the most remarkable clothing buys they've ever seen. The reason for these amazing values is the sensational Clippercraft plan. Concentrating the buying power of 924 of the nation's leading stores from coast to coast, it accounts for tremendous savings in manufacturing and distribution costs. That's why truly fine Clippercraft suits are only $40 and $45. Why Clippercraft top coats and overcoats are only $40. And sport jackets only $26.50. Clippercraft values are downright amazing. Compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. Dr. Watson, to return to the New Year's Eve, you and Sherlock Holmes celebrated on the good ship Gigantic.
6: Yes. uh, Here's your Tom and Jerry, Mr. Harris. Thank you, Oh, be careful. Don't burn yourself. Yes, it was probably the most hectic New Year's Eve I've ever experienced. Nothing is as terrifying to a seafaring man as the thought of fire aboard ship. The panic, the isolation. Oh, but that's neither here nor there. Yes, uh, let me see. It was the last day of the year, 1912. Its inception was sufficiently placid, I must say. A light snow was falling as Holmes and I seated ourselves on either side of a well-filled
13: breakfast table.
6: The flames of our seacoal fire reflected themselves cheerfully in the generous coffee pot. The whole house was filled with the pleasant aroma of the stuffing Mrs. Hudson was preparing for our New Year's goose. Suddenly there came a frantic jangle of the front door bell. <laughs>
18: Definitely no. No what, Holmes? Whoever it is that's pulling our front doorbell out by the roots and whatever his problem is, I'm definitely not interested. Yes, Watson, being the world's greatest consulting detective has its disadvantages. People always manage to get into difficulties at the most inopportune moments.
6: Yes, you should try being a doctor, Holmes. No female since Eve has ever decided to become a mother at a convenient time. Oh, come in, confounded.
18: (laughs) Mr. Holmes... Mr. Sherlock Holmes... Naturally. Whatever your problem is, I warn you, it'll have to wait till after the holidays. But he can't wait, Mr. Holmes. Close to 2,000 lives are at stake.
5: I pray to heaven you'll be able to reach them before it's too late. Reach whom? Where? And what is this disaster you anticipate with such trepidation? The steamship, gigantic, Mr. Holmes. She should be somewhere off the Silly Isles by midnight. We've been reliably informed that an attempt will be made to set fire to her at that time. If successful, it'll be the greatest disaster in all maritime
18: history. Yes. In that case, I suppose I shall have to forego the little celebration I'd planned for this evening. Have to? Uh, Really, Holmes? You are a cold-blooded fish. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't believe you've met my colleague, Dr. Watson. Mr. uh... Uh, Pembroke. Reginald Pembroke. How do you do, sir? I'm chairman of
5: the board of Floyd's, the famous insurance company.
18: Oh, then your desire to prevent this uh, disaster isn't entirely humanitarian. Not entirely, but neither is it altogether,
5: mercenary. There's more at stake than the lives of the passengers on board the Gigantic. If she goes down, the financial stability of the British Empire goes with her. Interesting, eh, Watson? Continue, Mr. Pembroke. You may not be aware, Mr. Holmes, that during this past year there have been a terrifying number of marine catastrophes.
6: Holmes knows everything, Mr. Pembroke.
18: I am quite cognizant of the fact that quite a few of the newest and fastest British liners have been destroyed at sea by fire, storm and uh, accident. Ah, they weren't accidents, Mr. Holmes, I assure you. Quite. The Egyptian star was destroyed by fire in the Persian Gulf. 800 lives lost. The Lord Nelson disappeared in a typhoon in the Indian Ocean. No survivors. The Southern Cross exploded and sank off the coast of Brazil. 1,200 casualties. The Wellington, the Lady Jane Grey, and the Eldorado all caught fire in different parts of the Pacific. Total deaths, over 2,000. The greatest disaster was last April, when the Titanic ran into an iceberg with a loss of over 1,500 souls. The public's becoming panicky
5: about traveling on British ships. The ships of other nationalities are taking all our trade. Three banks and nearly ten investment concerns where large marine interests have gone to the wall. Even Floyd's is not too secure. But that is not the most serious aspect of the situation.
6: Really? Good Lord, don't tell me there's worse to come. Much worse, Dr. Watson.
5: Those ships disappeared in many parts of the world. They were sunk by diverse methods. One factor, however, was the same in each disaster. And that was? The cargo carried by each ship was gold. English gold. Oh. If it ever became known how much British bullion lies at the bottom of the Seven Seas, British credit would be badly crippled. As a matter of fact, the Bank of England has been forced to import a large shipment of gold from Canada. And it's on the gigantic. Good Lord, no wonder you're upset. The whole economic structure of the British Empire is at stake, Mr. Holmes. Nothing must happen to the gigantic. What makes you think anything will? A cable was sent shortly after the gigantic left Queenstown. She makes a stop in Ireland on her eastbound voyage, you know. She sails shortly before dawn this morning. The gangplanks have been drawn in, the last line have been cast off, and the great propellers have begun to churn. Suddenly the dockmaster noticed someone sliding down the ship's side on a rope.
17: Hi, look up there, sir. Some fool's climbed over the side. He's coming down on a rope. Go back, you fool. Go back. He'll be killed. He'll never make the dock. He'll fall in the water. and be swept under the ship. No, no. He's pushing the rope away from the ship with his feet. He's swinging out. He's going to jump. He made it. Someone up on the bridge has seen him. He's calling to but him. The chap's picked himself up. He's shouting back. Happy New Year to you up there. Happy New Year. In hell! Good Lord, I know the mantle. It's Smokey Joe, the firebug. If the gigantic don't catch fire between here and Southampton, I'm a Dutchman.
18: Smoky Joe. Seems to me we've heard of him before, eh, Watson? Not merely as an expert arsonist, but a dangerous pyromaniac as well. They caught him, I hope, Mr. Pembroke.
5: No, no, Mr. Holmes. Unfortunately, he was too quick for them. He crawled down a ladder and disappeared among the pilings under the docks.
18: So, the Gigantic is headed for Southampton with a nice bit of Joe's handiwork aboard.
6: You think it's a firebomb, eh, Holmes?
18: Not necessarily, Watson. There are many ingenious ways of starting a fire, you know. Whoever hired Joe would prefer to have it happen well out to sea, I imagine. Our
5: thought exactly, Mr. Holmes. We've wireless Captain Brooks to make a search, of course, but on a ship the size of the Gigantic it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. You are our one hope, Mr. Holmes... If only you couldn't get on board in time.
18: And how do you suggest I go about that little assignment?
5: The chairman of the Great Western Railway has placed the royal train at your disposal. All other traffic will be cleared off the tracks. Now, you should reach Land's End shortly after lunch. My yacht, the Albatross, will be waiting for you in the harbours and Ives. It's a very speedy little craft, and with any luck, you should sight the gigantic around 11
18: o'clock tonight. Yes, 11 o'clock. Was it Smokey Joe called out? Happy New Year in hell. It won't be New Year till midnight. If we reach the Gigantic by 11, we may just possibly be in time. Six bells. It's 11 o'clock confound this fog. We've had to reduce our speed to half.
6: Oh, we'll never catch up to the gigantic now,
18: Holmes. Nonsense. She's had to slow down, too. I only hope
0: we don't miss her entirely in this
18: fog.
6: I don't really care. You don't sound very fit, Watson. What's up? You have to use that unfortunate expression. And <laughs> tell me you're feeling squeamish. It's this confounded roll. I can stand a good brisk sea, but this bobbing about in a teacup. Pity I didn't bring the mother sims seasick pills. Oh, mother is bad. There's only one remedy for this sort of thing. What's that? Staying on shore. It's the only way to spend New Year's Eve, this is. <laughs> Who do you suppose is responsible for these confounded sinkings anyway? Mr. Pembroke seems to feel it's a foreign plot
18: little European shipping industries benefit the most, of course.
6: Holmes, did you hear that? By Jove, yes. Sounds like an ocean liner, right enough.
18: Yes, we're signaling her.
6: Scott, there she is, the gigantic looming out of the fog. Looks like a mountain coming at us.
18: Hooray there! Ross? Yes, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson coming aboard. Let down a ladder.
10: Ladder coming over! Look out below!
18: Here's the ladder, Watson.
6: Think you can manage it? I'd climb up the Eiffel Tower on a clothesline if it would get me off this bouncing coffee shell.
18: an impressive array of instruments you have up here on the bridge captain brooks yes mr holmes on the gigantic we have the latest of everything and none of it's any real use in case of fire
6: i'd sooner face a typhoon or a shipwreck or a mutiny even dog rat it than a fire on board ship surely a ship this size should be fairly fireproof that's what you might think dr watson
18: but there are three factors that make a fire on a luxury liner dangerous First, there's all the confounded ornamental woodwork that's used in a passenger construction. Second, there's the fact that once a fire gets a firm hold, it's fed by drafts that rush through the ventilating system. And third, there is the element of panic. Nothing makes people behave more like wild beasts quicker than the cry of fire. In case of fire, you have, of course, an alarm system. We have the old-fashioned system of bells and also something rather recent. The Gigantic is one of the first
6: ships to install it. You see that glass case over there, gentlemen? Uh, the one with a lot of tubes entering from below. Looks rather like a giant honeycomb, eh, Holmes? Each of those tubes
18: leads to a separate compartment of the ship. The instant a fire breaks out anywhere, smoke is immediately drawn up into the glass case. I've stationed a sailor to watch that case. Believe me, gentlemen, the first wisp of smoke, we shall know it. Yes, undoubtedly very helpful, Captain Brooks, in the case of an ordinary conflagration. But I assure you, a fire set by Smokey Joe is not ordinary. He's a master arsonist. Ten seconds after one of his fires breaks out, you're dealing with a raging inferno. Oh, confounded! they tell me the man deserted the ship at Queenstown. That is this morning. Well, that's more than 18 hours ago. If he'd set fire, it, it seems to me that we'd be in flames by this time. Not necessarily. There are many methods by which a fire can be made to break out long after the pyromaniac has left the scene of his crime. You say you found no time bombs, no inflammable acids?
17: No, Mr. Holmes. Ever since I received word that we were in danger, I've had my men searching high and low. They found nothing, absolutely nothing. It's been a systematic search,
18: I promise you. Yes, but you've drawn a blank. That's what comes of using system instead of brains and initiative. Oh? And how do you propose to locate whatever it is we can't find? By using a little logic. I shall credit Smokey Joe with having the intelligence to place his fire-starting device in the place where it'll do the most damage. The man's no amateur, Captain. He knows his business. Then I shall investigate that place and remove his handiwork.
6: Holmes, you're bragging
18: again. Not at all, my dear Watson. I think I may promise I shall have discovered the menace inside of half an hour. I only hope Joe's little device doesn't do its nasty job before then. Half
17: an hour. Now 11.30 exactly. Do you think you can solve this problem by midnight? Yes, Captain.
18: With any luck, I think I can promise you a placid and uneventful new year. Captain Brooks? Yes,
17: Mr. Brown? What seems to be the trouble? The wireless engineer, sir, wishes to report that something's wrong with his apparatus. Both the sending and receiving equipment have suddenly gone out of commission. I don't like that. What does he think is the matter? me, Captain. Can you come here a minute? Excuse me a moment, gentlemen. The wheelsman is calling me. What's the trouble, Jerry? It's the compass. It's spinning like a top. I can't figure out what's got into it. Never seen a like except once in some magnetic storm. Great Scott! This is incredible. Now what is the engine room calling, Captain? I'll take it. Hello. Yes, Captain Brooke speaking. The blazes you say? Well. Do the best you can. Seems to be the difficulty, Captain. The dynamos are slowing down. They can't figure out why. Good Lord, sir. That's why the lights are getting dim. Blazes with the lights. Without dynamos, we've no forced draft for the furnaces. We'll never keep up enough steam pressure to drive the ship. In no time at all, we'll be drifting helplessly
18: in the Atlantic, in the middle of the reefs that surround the city isles.
6: jolly way to spend New Year's Eve, eh, Holmes? It could
18: be worse, you know. How? The ship could be on fire. That's the real menace to which these other threats are but the prelude, I fancy. For the love of heaven, what are we to do? Keep calm and use whatever intelligence the Lord has endowed us with. Captain Brooks, I suggest you and as many officers as you can spare join the holiday celebration that's undoubtedly going on in order to keep discipline in case there's any disturbance. Very good, Mr. Holmes. There's a New Year's dance going on in the large ballroom. It's on sea deck. And meanwhile, if you could spare us someone to guide Watson and myself. Oh, of course. And Mr. Brown here is our purser. He knows the ship as well as anyone aboard. I'm sure he does. Very well, Mr. Brown. If you'll lead the way, I think Dr. Watson and I would like to go below. And investigate the engines? No, Mr. Brown, even lower than that. What we're looking for is apt to be rather close to the furnaces, I imagine. <laughs>
6: Oh, these iron stairs that go round and round to make
17: me dizzy. Maybe it's the heat down here. Yes, we're getting close to the furnace room. If you listen, you can hear the men stoking. Grim way to earn a living, eh, Holmes?
18: Stop a minute. Where does that lead, Mr. Brown? That small corridor with the heavy metal door at the far end?
17: Oh, uh, that's the bullion room, sir, where the gold is kept. Very
18: interesting.
0: Suppose we take a look,
6: eh, Watson? But I've always wanted to see those gold bars you hear
17: so much about. I'm afraid that won't be possible, Dr. Watson. Why not? Well, as you can see, the door is locked and sealed. It was done by the port authorities before we left New York. That door won't be opened until the port authorities unseal it when we reach Southampton. You
18: mean that room in there wasn't opened when the captain ordered the ship searched for incendiary material? No, Mr. Holmes.
17: But it's quite impossible for anyone to place a firebomb or anything of the sort in there. As you can see, the seals are still intact. Quite. These seals are intact. But are they the ones
18: put on in New York? I doubt it. Let's have a look. Yes, interesting. Very interesting. These are not the original seals.
6: Oh, how can you tell, Holmes? They look intact to me. Exactly,
18: they are intact. But here in the crack of the door sill are bits of broken seals. But these seals are not even chipped.
6: By Jove, yes, of course. The original seals were hacked off and then replaced after someone had finished picking the lock and robbing the room inside.
18: I doubt if robbery was the motive, Watson.
6: Well, for what other reason would anyone want to break into a room full of gold bullion? It all depends.
17: What lies directly below that room, Mr. Brown? Well, let me see. Well, nothing of any great importance, Mr. Holmes. Just the coal piles. The coal piles? Good Lord. I think we shall
18: have to break the seals again, Mr. Brown. Here, Watson, help me. <coughs> But the door is locked,
17: Mr. Holmes. Even after the seals have been removed, we shall have to get the key from the captain. No time for that. Hand me my burglar tools, Watson. very well. Good heavens, you mean you could actually pick a lock with those things?
6: If Holmes ever turned thief, Mr. Brown, even the Bank of England wouldn't be safe.
18: Yes, that should do the trick. Now, if you'll help me draw the bars, Watson.
6: Yes, with pleasure. Well, there you are, Holmes.
18: Now, let's see.
6: It is. Yes. Black in
18: there, isn't it? Is there a light inside, Mr. Brown? No, Mr. Holmes. I'm afraid not. Then we shall have to prop the door open. The light from the corridor will have to do for our investigations. Come on, Watson.
6: Holmes, that smell. Phew. Strong and acrid. Like sulfur, only with more
18: bite. Seems to be coming from this large tin. Suppose I light a match. Oh, this full of stuff! Don't be alarmed. I know better than to light a match around a tin which is leaking sulfuric acid. I only wanted to know how much you knew about Smokey Joe's incendiary device, Mr. Ludwig Brown, spelled B-R-A-U-N, if I'm not mistaken.
17: So you recognize
18: me. Yes, that dueling scar over your left eye. It's rather a giveaway, don't you know?
17: So you have found how we are going to set fire to the ship by having the acid drip through a hole in the floor onto the coal beneath. The first shovelful of that acid-soaked coal that goes in the furnace and the hold of a ship will be a blazing inferno. Nothing can put out that fire. Don't you mean that's how you were going to start the fire? My dear Mr. Holmes, you do not think we will let a small obstacle like the famous Sherlock Holmes stand in our way. listen to me. Don't raise your fist to me. I'll let you have it. Never argue with a Luger pistol, Watson. Well, that's the first sensible remark you've made, Mr. Holmes. I'm sorry to leave, but the stokers should reach the sulfuric acid impregnated coal in about ten minutes, I believe. So I must be going. This room will be a roaring oven once it starts. You will be rather badly overdone, gentlemen. Goodbye, then. So sorry I cannot say. I'll feed us in.
6: The door. He's bolted it. Even you can't open it now, Holmes. Shut up, Watson, and help me look for the opening. What opening, for heaven's sake? The opening that leads to
18: the tube that ends on the captain's new fire-detecting machine. It should be somewhere near the ceiling. But,
6: Holmes, I can't see a thing in this black hole of Calcutta. You can feel, can't you? a thing, Holmes. The wall on this side of the room, it's as smooth as an egg.
18: Confound it. If we could see for half a minute, it would... Hello, I've got something. Yes? Yes, a small grating here in the upper corner. This must be it. Now, if we can make a smudge of some sort. Watson, bring me a piece of paper. Paper? Where would I find a piece of paper? Then bring me anything I can burn. A bit of cloth, a piece of... Yes, by Jove, rope. Bring me a piece of the rope that's tied around one of the boxes that contain the bullion.
6: Very well. If I can find a box, then... Now what? I found it.
18: Oh it. The, the knots are tied so tight I... Blazes with knots. Cut the rope, Watson. Use
6: your pocket knife. Oh, very well. Uh, there you are, Holmes. It's a short length, I'm afraid. I only want enough for a smudge. Nothing like a bit of hempen rope. To Holmes, for heaven's sake, you're not going to set a match to that thing in here?
18: There'll be an explosion. have to take the chance, Watson. With any luck, the sulfuric acid fumes won't be too concentrated up here near the ceiling. Well, Here goes. One. Two. Now, if we can persuade the rope to smolder. Yes, there she goes. Certainly makes plenty of smoke, eh, Holmes? The important thing, it's being drawn up through the grating. How long before they come to investigate, do you suppose? It all depends on the mental acumen of the sailor who's watching that fire-detecting machine. Let's hope he's brighter than he looks.
6: It may be my imagination, but it seems to me I can... Feel the metal flooring under my feet beginning to get hot. <laughs> Good Lord. <coughs> How long does it take for them to get us out of here? That smoke's suffocating.
18: Calm yourself, Watson. It can't be more than three minutes since we left this smudge. Yes, I can hear someone running down the iron staircase. (laughs) I can't hear a blasted thing. How do you... Hello.
6: Hello in there. Get us out. We're in here. Open the door. Phew. What a relief. How in thunder did you two get locked in
18: here? (coughs) What's all the smoke? No time for explanations, Captain. Stop them stoking the furnaces. Flood the coal piles with water. They've been soaked with sulfuric acid.
17: Good Lord. (coughs) Benjark! Gates!
6: Stop the firing! Stop the pumps in the engine room! Well, that's that, Holmes. What do you suppose has become of that dastardy person?
18: We'll let Captain Brooks take care of him, Watson. Unless I'm very much mistaken, Mr. Brown is going to wish he'd never gone to sea. Well, come along. Let's go upstairs and join the festivities. I think we rate a bottle of champagne.
6: Well, to blazes with the champagne, I need a double brandy. Eight bells. Let's see, that'll be a... Midnight, Watson. Happy New Year, old fellow. Happy New Year, Holmes, and many of them. But, uh, don't you think you could manage to have them not quite so hair-raising?
18: And have you getting fat and lethargic? You know, that would be unhealthy, not to say boring.
6: Oh, so now, it's for my sake we indulge in all these horrendous escapades, eh? Fine bit of logic, that is.
18: Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. but here's the ballroom. Suppose we join the party. Fine, my dear.
0: And that was an exciting way to spend New Year's Eve.
6: It was a bit too exciting, Mr. Harris, if you ask me.
0: Doctor, did they catch the purser?
6: Oh, they did indeed. Mr. Brown and five of his accomplices were thrown in the brig. That was the end of the disasters in the British Maritime Service. When did Holmes first suspect the
0: purser was the villain of the piece?
6: When he came onto the bridge and threw his overcoat on a chair near to the compass, whereupon the compass went berserk who was immediately suspected the coat contained a powerful magnet of some sort.
0: And was he right, Doctor? My dear Mr. Harris,
6: was Sherlock Holmes ever wrong? But come, fill your mug and let us wish our radio friends a prosperous, happy and peaceful New Year.
0: Indeed we do, Doctor. And now, Dr. Watson, would you like to give us a hint about next week's story? Next week,
6: I think I'll tell you how Holmes and I trapped a famous jewel thief right in our own rooms in Baker Street... By the use of what was then a fabulous new invention,
0: the gramophone. The makers of Clipper Craft Clothes and 924 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Ochran with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Mazarin Stone. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcasts in New York, See your local Clipper craft dealer, and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets.
4: That is the adventures of Sherlock Holmes with... John Stanley and Alfred Shirley, December 28, 1947, the New Year's Eve off the Silly aisles. Ugh, it's very, very silly. It was friend. very, you know, it was very silly. Um, Michael Fitzmorris, the announcer. Michael Fitzmorris. There was two I announcers thought. on there. There was uh, Cy Harris and also Michael Fitzmaurice. Oh, and it was brought to you by Clipper Craft Clothes. Can you say that five times fast? I, I could, but I'm choosing not to. <laughs> Wayne Mesmer is my co-host all the way till 3 o'clock in the morning. You slip. Lisa, you is were so good up to this point. Wayne Mesmer. thank you. Yeah, and Lisa Wolf is on vacation, and which gives us the opportunity to uh, to uh, commiserate and talk about these great uh, classic
3: radio shows. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to do on a Saturday night. You know, I remember doing overnights and uh, always. Hoping that I was, you know, actually speaking to someone and not just uh, (laughs) listening to myself in whatever headphones I was so uh, vainly wearing at the time.
4: Yeah, well, you're talking to a lot of people because this is 40-plus states, plus Canada, plus Mexico. This is a blowtorch, as you know.
3: Blowtorch here on WGN. I love it.
4: Yeah, it's great. It's WGN. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, just the colors and being a Chicago guy. Yeah. like both of us, like the both of us. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I don't know to hear these shows on uh, on WGN. I think is also pretty important yeah
4: i mean i really appreciate the fact that they uh, they give us five hours to it's sort of uh, as an homage to these great radio shows They give us five straight hours we get to play the shows uninterrupted now which is so great because before we used to have to break the shows for news at the bottom of the hour oh, i'm so glad that we don't have to do that anymore so i'm gosh. really yeah i'm really yeah, yeah. <laughs> really In happy
3: it, we don't have to do it, that. it does make a difference when you hear these uh well with the, with the commercials stripped out anyway yeah
4: yeah that's right you
3: know and uh, now back to whatever and
4: right. I didn't know we left. Yeah, the the only commercials we have to that we have to remove are the cigarette commercials. So we play all the we heard you weird some Clipper Craft clothes spots there and oh, yeah. all that good stuff. All right, we're going to be back with Wayne Right after these words, my co-host Wayne Messmer is here till three o'clock in the morning with me. Uh, great honor to have you on the air with me, Wayne. Um, You're so do, kind. How do people get a hold of you if they? Is there a website? Yeah. How about uh, WayneMessmer.com? All right. So WayneMessmer.com. Two S's. And and uh, like you do a lot of speaking, you will speak at events. You will talk to. Uh, you will educate people. You uh, obviously you're known for singing the national anthem. Probably have sung the national anthem more than anyone on the planet. I'm I remember, guessing. But I know. We're I'm close guessing
3: to about five thousand times. Wow!
4: Is and, a good uh, estimate. Yeah. now you sing the national anthem at the Wolves Correct. games. Correct. You are one of the. Founding members of the Wolves. Founding partner. Founding yeah. poun- partner. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you do all those home games. You sing the national anthem at the home games? Yeah, out at the
3: Allstate Arena, including, uh, we're not quite ready to say today, but uh, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, at three, 3 PM, o'clock game, yeah. right?
4: Now, when they go on the road, you have somebody that. No, uh, that's,
3: that's whatever team.
4: Whatever team they'll sing it. Thing. Okay, yeah. great. Well, they're not singing it like Wayne Massmer. I'm sorry. Nobody sings the national anthem like you. And you have a special way you do the end is amazing. Anyone listening here has heard Wayne. And now for a lot of years, you sang for the Cubs. And do you still sing still
3: for the Cubs? Still do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Heading into the 36th wow. year with the Cubs. Unbelievable. Which has been, uh, you know, it's been opening day all of those years, too. It's amazing. Amazing, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I mean, to know that you've been given uh, a gift and then to have the opportunity to do it, and uh, we were talking about being a couple of Chicago guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to <laughs> bloom where you're planted is a wonderful feeling. Well, yeah, I mean,
4: uh, this is and this is a nice town to be blooming in. I mean, this is a this That's is true second city right here. Um, and um, you've been around and doing this for a long time. But how we met is because Wayne had. A classic radio show, and he has a love for these classic radio shows, and I really, I really learned a lot
3: about classic radio through you, Wayne, and your show. Well, those were fun times. I mean, yeah. I was doing what you're doing now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and get it, but getting to know the shows and uh, getting to really l- like them and like the characters, uh, to know more about them, and uh, you know, entertained by them. I mean, being a singer, I like the variety shows, sure. But uh, the comedies were, were great. and I mean, the oh, mysteries, the, yeah. you know, the western. Come on. Yeah. You know, and the next thing you know, you're going, I, 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 I'm, I'm not getting out of TV mm-hmm. what I am out of this. And no. the theater of the mind and the all of the of that. Mind. But that's truly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell people...
4: Well, you know, you weren't around, I wasn't around when these shows first aired, but we were exposed to them, and I think this show, five hours a week on Saturday nights, exposes a lot of people to these shows, and they become fans, Mm -hmm. and they want to hear these shows. Yeah. And our next hour... Our favorite, one of our favorite, the great Gildersleeve. Then after that, our Miss Brooks, and then Father Knows Best. <laughs> Wayne Messmer's here. Stick around. Lou's making me hungry. There, talking about food. I
3: was hungry when I came <laughs> in. Like,
4: right away, I'm asking about pizza. But I have you know. some. I have some treats over here. We'll we'll warm some up when we are playing Gildersleeve in Blue. this hour. Yay, Leroy. You know, Leroy, years ago, Leroy. years ago, I went to one of these, um, and I've talked about this on the air, Wayne. You'll get a kick out of this. I went to one of these reenactments, you know, these Friends of Old Time radio conventions. Right. I believe it was in Ohio. And Willard Waterman was there. Right. And so was Shirley Mitchell. She played Leela. Yeah, yeah. And they did a reenactment and they allowed some of the people to audition. And so, of course, my hand was up, and I wanted to audition. And I won the role of Leroy. So I got to stand next to—Willard Waterman was really tall. He uh-huh. was like a 6'4 guy, right? And I played Leroy, Leroy next to Willard Waterman and Shirley Mitchell as Leela Ransom. One oh, yeah. of the highlights of my life. I, I can see why.
3: Right? Well, you actually, because you did— Step in for a guy who was one of the most talented people on radio, mm. you know, and, and, Walter, and Walter Walter Tedly, Tedley, and yeah. I, I believe at the time of this was about thirty six years old. Yes,
4: he was doing this as
3: an adult. Yeah, he was playing Leroy as an adult. Yeah, of course, when he's Julius. Yeah, Julius Abruzio uh, is a little, yeah. he's
4: a little, a little more of a wisecracker. Yeah, and yeah. then he was. Um, Sherman.
3: He was Sherman.
4: Yeah, oh, he yeah. was Sherman on the, uh, what was that?
3: The Bullwinkle Show. Actually, it was the Rocky and Friends. Was it Rocky, Rocky and Friends? Rocky and his
4: friends, but uh, mostly known as the Bullwinkle Show. Right. Wayne Mesmer here with me all the way to 3 o'clock in the morning is my co host tonight. Lisa Wolf on vacation. Gildersleeve coming your way. We have all New Year's. Shows. Uh, we have a New Year's Eve party show with Gildy, then our Miss Brooks, and then Father Knows Best. If you want to uh, get a hold of Wayne Mesmer, you can do so by going to com. Now, you came here directly from Wrigley Field offici-
3: uh, officiating a wedding. That would be an accurate statement. Yes, yeah. I did. So, yeah, really nice couple who uh, uh, she attended Illinois Wesleyan University, where I went. And um, he and she were engaged in, uh, at Wrigley Field. Wow. And so the, the Wesleyan-Cubs connection somehow, and uh, she tracked me down. And uh, this was not the first by any means. Right. You've done this a lot. Now,
4: so someone can go to your website, get you to officiate a wedding. You can, you'll do keynote speaking. You have a book the book is amazing. The Voice of Victory is the book, Wayne that Messmer. Book. Yeah. Available, uh,
3: that one's at Amazon.
4: Yeah, but go to waynemesmer.com folks. Check out all the things Wayne's doing. And uh busy guy, you're a busy guy, so taking time out to come here, I really appreciate it, Wayne. Um, also, you have a radio show every Sunday night on WDCB, which is 90.9 FM. And Wayne invites you in to his lounge. My radio right? lounge. Radio lounge.
3: Plays jazz music for you. Yeah, good stuff. It's kind of like the, uh, I own the room. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, uh my piano. Shag carpeting? Real uh, thick shag? No, 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 that's been taken out, but okay. we do have some love sacks. Ah, is there
4: any uh lava lamps? Oh there has to be. Oh yeah, lava there's lamp. incense. Are you kidding me. A little incense going. Uh, oh yeah. Incense. And yeah. then it's, I'm it's glad it's a, you repeated that. <laughs> and and you have like
3: a maybe a like a disco ball or no no? no? no. disco ball. No, I but very indirect lighting. And I will tell you the piano. I may have said this already, but unquestionably, always in tune. Yes. and It's, it's not kind of, like the NBC chimes earlier. No. This would be like coming into Hef's Hangout. Yeah, okay. You know, and you say... I'm there. Hey, man. You, you want say me? Hef, and I'm there. Uh, I know, Daddy Opa. <laughs> but you want to say, you know, why don't you play? Hey, who's going to play the piano? Oh, look at that. Errol Garner? Cool. Yeah. Oh, whoa, George Shearing. Anybody want to sing? Mel, Mel Torme, why don't you sing with George Shearing? Wow. This sounds great. You know?
4: 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. Sunday nights, WDCB. You can hear Wayne's show. Um, and it's, Or even on, you know, and it, it streams as well. It streams WDCB as well. WDCB.org. Yeah. Hear some great jazz. Yeah. Um, wow. It's great. And uh, make sure you check out the website, waynemesmer.com. All right. In this hour, The Great Kilderslee. But right now, we are going to play our game. Not again. Yeah. Again. Guess that song. Two songs we'll give you from 1975, and you're going to win Twilight Zone radio drama CDs. You will get a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone, and I'll send them out to you myself. So call us now, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200, and we'll take caller number four. We're going to play the game right after these words. Oh, do we got the theme? Guess that song. Got to have the theme. I mean, I'm pl- I'm paying Roger a royalty every time this, uh, so might as well play it. Right. I,
3: I was not even going to participate <laughs> if there's no theme.
4: Yeah, there's got to be a theme. Uh, we uh-huh. have we have Jeffrey from Hammond. Uh, how you doing, Jeffrey? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. You're speaking uh, to Wayne Mesmer here. Hi, Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah. Hello there. All right. You ready to play the game with us? Well the best of them gonna Well you got Wayne as a lifeline, so you're in good hands. I know the answer. So here's right. the here's the first song. Yeah. Hey. All right, what do you think? All right. Cool in the game. Mm, close, but no cigar.
3: Irving Berlin.
4: Uh, <laughs> Irving Berlin. <laughs> uh, now let's play a little bit more of it.
13: Wayne,
3: you know this one. Hey, I'm letting my poor guy just wallow around. Flynn, <laughs> wallow sure. her around here. Um, I know it. I know it. You know it. All the right,
4: sensation. what is? No. I'm sorry. It's "Shining Star," "Earth, Wind, and Fire." These are Dance tough ones, huh? I think that's what you meant to say. I'm pretty sure, right, Jeff? Yeah. That's what i Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we got uh, we got another one for you here. Here's another
13: 1975 tune. I needed the shelter of
3: There you were. What do you think?
19: I can't think of,
3: I know the song, I can't think of it. It's a it. great song. You know, did you ever know a president by the first name of Zachary? <laughs> Zachary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't a, know, I do not, I do not know who that is. Who's the sheriff in Mayberry? <laughs> and Mayberry and, RFD. <laughs> and Griffith. Andy, what's his character name? Did Barney. I, that's it. Barney. <laughs> Barney. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to let that one go. Let's play okay. some more of it.
4: There it
3: is, Jeffrey. If you were to have a pants, a pair of your trousers shortened, (laughs) where would you go? (laughs) uh, I don't know. Um, maybe a tailor. A tailor, definitely a tailor, but spelled a little different than Taylor.
4: Taylor. You got it. Way to go, my friend. You're you're gonna win some Twilight Zone CDs, Jeffrey. Thanks for playing the game with us. I appreciate you.
8: I right, thank you.
4: Thanks, buddy. You All have right. A good evening. You too. Bye bye. Big winner. Way to go. All yeah. right. We'll have two more songs in our next hour, but right now it's time for Gildersleeve. Sleeve. Let's go back to actually New Year's Day, oui. January first, nineteen forty-seven. There's a big New Year's party going on. And Hal Perry, who originated this role on what show? You know this. He originated the role before he had his own show. Oh, he was a character on... Oh, 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 of course, Fibber McGee and Molly. Yes. But <clears throat> they didn't use the word spinoff then, did they? No, they probably didn't, but it was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, first, first spinoff. So uh, this is Craft. I, I hope
3: Peavy is at the party. Yeah, he's
4: he's probably there. Hello, Gilney. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> well, I sweetums. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> the
3: Jolly Boys.
4: Sponsored on, by Kraft. Here is uh, Uninterrupted, the uh, New Year's Eve show on The Great Gilney.
1: The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products.
2: Yeah, Happy New Year. I'm making no resolutions this year. I'm just going to be a bad boy. That's my only resolution. I'm going to be a bad boy. What a
1: terrible way to start the new year. But before we condemn our hero, let us review the tragic events which have put him in this desperate frame of mind. It all started with Gildersleeve's plans for Summerfield's annual costume ball. When he got his costume, he naturally
2: wanted to tell somebody about it. Well, I won't actually tell her. That would be against the rules. I'll just let her guess. You'll <laughs> never guess in a million years. vast there, me proud beauty. Open the hatch before I blow it in. <laughs> Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo-ho, yo-ho, in a bottle of... Hello, Eve. Why, Throckmorton. Got my costume for tomorrow night, Eve. Right here under my arm.
15: Oh, no, you mustn't tell me what it is, Throckmorton. That would spoil all the fun. No one's supposed to know who anyone is till the time comes for the unmasking.
2: Well, I wasn't going to tell you, Eve. But wouldn't you like to guess?
15: Well, come in anyway.
2: Uh, Thanks. Uh, Won't take my coat off. Got to be getting right along home. Well, go ahead and guess, Eve.
15: Oh, I don't... I don't think that would be fair, Throckmorton. You might start hinting.
2: Oh, go on. Guess what I'm going to be.
15: Humpty Dumpty.
2: Why do you guess that?
15: (laughs) I don't know. He's kind of roly-poly, and you asked me to guess.
2: Hmm. Guess again. Henry VIII? Well, I get mixed up on those kings. Which one is he? The fat one.
15: The one with all the wives. You know, he... Why do
2: you guess only fat people?
15: (laughs) (laughs) I've guessed only two. And you insisted on my guessing, you know.
2: All right, I'll give you a little help.
15: Fifty men... Oh, no, you don't. Now, be fair, Throckmorton. I want it to be a surprise.
2: But, Eve, the whole thing's a lot of nonsense. As soon as I call for you tomorrow evening, that'll give the whole thing away. By the way, what time do you want me to call for you?
15: You were planning to call for me? Of course. Oh, I wish I'd known that before.
2: Of course I'm going to call for you if I'm taking you to the ball.
15: I didn't know you were taking me to the ball. Oh, I'm afraid it's too late now.
2: Uh, uh, what?
15: You never asked me, Throckmorton. You never did.
2: Well, gosh, you... He... I
15: waited and never asked
2: me. Gosh, I took it for granted that you and me... I mean, you and I... And
15: I took it for granted since I never heard from you that you'd invited someone else. So I accepted another invitation.
2: Listen, you sold me the tickets to this thing. I had a right to assume you were going with me.
15: <laughs> well, I sold over 50 tickets, Throckmorton. I couldn't go with all of them.
2: Nuts. Gosh, if I'd had the slightest idea, I mean, I've got my costume here and everything. You couldn't just. Uh...
15: Not now. I couldn't possibly.
2: Mm-hmm.
15: I'm sorry. But when you're inviting a lady to something, it's customary to invite her, you mm-hmm.
2: I suppose you're going with that gym teacher again. He was
15: kind enough to invite me. And he's very nice, really. S- I'm sorry there was a misunderstanding, Throckmorton. I'll save you a dance if you like. Don't bother. Oh, now, Throckmorton, don't be a baby.
2: Who's a baby? I was going to be a pirate, but now I won't be anything. Won't even be there. Hello, Miss Fenwick? How'd you guess? I bet you're surprised to hear from me. Say, do you happen to be doing anything this evening? Oh, you are, uh... Well, I just thought... uh, Oh. Well, I just, uh... Oh. Well. (laughs) Same to you, Miss Fenwick. Nuts. What's the matter with this town? New Year's Eve and everybody's going someplace.
14: Oh, well. Down, down to the speed of light, five hundred million miles a
2: second, arriving in the very nick of time. Leroy, will you tell me what you're doing running around in my long underwear?
14: That's not underwear. I'm Captain Marvel.
2: In that bath towel.
14: That's my cake.
2: Look here, young man.
14: You want to see one of my mighty feats of strength? I can make this whole house disintegrate. All I have to do is say, Shazam!
2: Leroy?
14: Ooh, I said it. <laughs> Lucky thing the house didn't hear me.
2: Uh, calm down, will you? What are you getting dressed up for anyway? You're not going any place.
14: I know, but everybody else is. Gosh, I want to have some fun.
2: I'll be here with you, my boy, the whole evening.
14: That's no fun.
2: Huh?
14: <laughs> I mean, I, I thought you were going to the ball.
2: Ball? I'm doing nothing of the kind. But I thought... That... I decided the whole thing was silly. Childish. I didn't want to go in the first place.
14: Marge is going.
2: Oh no, she's not.
14: She is too. She's going with Jerry Walsh.
2: Now look here. I had this whole thing out two days ago. Don't I...
14: holler at me. I'm not the one.
2: Go upstairs and tell your sister to come down here.
14: Hey, boy! i oh, down here.
2: I said, go up and tell her.
14: She heard me. <laughs> what do you want? I don't want you.
2: <laughs> I don't know what I have to do to get obedience, so I'm here. Marjorie, what's this I hear? About what? About your planning to go to the ball this evening with that walsh boy.
14: Leroy. I didn't say anything. I mean, uh, I didn't mean to make any trouble, Marjorie. I, I just said what you said. Never mind
2: that. The point is, I told you two days ago, my dear, you were not going to that ball.
14: But, Uncle, it's the first thing Jerry's ever invited
16: me to. He's one of the stars of the basketball team. If I turn him down at the last minute, he'll you ever You could have after...
2: turned him down two days ago. I told you then.
16: You said you'd think it over. You said you'd see.
2: I said no. Besides, I've thought it over. ball is no place for a girl your age. It's apt to turn out to be a very rowdy affair. That's why I'm not going myself.
16: I think you're mean.
2: Moreover, I don't want you going around with that Jerry Walsh. From what I hear, he's inclined to be wild. All basketball players are wild. One of the wildest boys I ever knew was a basketball player.
14: Oh, why don't you let her go?
2: Listen, who's running this house, you or me?
14: I didn't know anybody was running it.
2: You go upstairs.
14: To bed now?
2: Well, go away anyway. This is just between your sister and me.
14: Sorry, Marge.
2: Go on, Leroy. Disintegrate. Shazam.
14: Okay. (laughs) Telephone. We heard it. I'll get it. Hello? Hello? Hey, Uncle! you want to play me checkers? Quiet, Leroy. I can't hear.
16: Not now,
2: Leroy.
14: Later, huh? Later will you play me checkers? Leroy!
2: We'll see, Leroy. I'll
16: set up the checkerboard just in case. Will everybody kindly, for heaven's sake, be quiet? Francie, I can't go. My uncle.
10: Yes,
16: yes. I know, and what do I tell Jerry? The first thing he's ever invited me to. I mean, I'll be so humiliated I'll just die. Yes, yes. My costume? I don't know, burn it, I guess. What good is it now?
2: costume? eh? didn't know it'd gone as far as that. Well, I can't give in now.
16: Now, that is not true, Francis. My uncle is really very nice, if you know him. It's just about this one thing. He seems to be a little old-fashioned.
2: You needn't look at me, my dear. You have my decision.
16: Well, I don't know. He's being so stuffy about everything these days. But I'll ask him. Uncle Mort, if I can't go to the ball, can I at least go over to Francie's and spend the night? Oh,
2: so Francie's mother wouldn't let her go to the thing either, eh? I told you it was no place for young girls.
16: Well, may I?
2: I see no objection, as long as you're in bed by a reasonable hour.
16: Miracles will happen, Francie. He said yes. I'll be right over. What?
2: Excuse me. Well, Bertie, you're all dressed up. (laughs) Yes, sir.
14: You look super, Bertie. I wouldn't know you.
2: Well, thank you, Leroy. You're looking well yourself.
14: You mean my football helmet? I don't think he's
19: had that off since Christmas.
2: Yeah, take it off, Leroy. You want to be bald?
14: <laughs> okay, goodbye, Frank. You'll we'll be right over. Mr. Gilclean, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish you a happy and prosperous New Year. Is it all right if I go now?
2: Yeah, Same to you, Bertie, and you go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, by the way, uh, where are you going?
19: Well, it's starting over to Jack Chase's house. Goodness knows where it'll wind up.
2: <laughs> well, I suppose that's your idea of a way to have a good time. My idea of the way to spend New Year's Eve is just sitting quietly here by the radio, laying plans for next year.
14: Well, a man can't break any bones that way. Enjoy yourself, Miss Yeah,
2: You too, Bertie. Happy New Year.
14: <sighs> hey, aren't you going to play checkers? I've got the board all set up.
2: Oh, I suppose so. Just when I'm sitting down.
14: I'll let you have the first move.
2: Oh? Well... There.
14: I expected that.
2: I suppose she's leaving by now with that gym teacher.
14: Your move, Uncle. Well,
2: oh? They'll all be there Eve, Floyd, Peavy, <coughs> Hooker, all of them. Everybody but me. <coughs> <coughs> Yours, Unc. What's that? Your move. Oh. Well. (laughs) Ha! Leroy, it's your bedtime.
14: You haven't got your mind on the game, (laughs)
10: Uncle.
2: I'll admit I haven't got my mind on the game, but you go to bed anyway.
10: Do I have
14: to?
2: Yes, it's a quarter of eleven.
14: Okay, gosh. Good
2: night, Unc. Good night, my boy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What's happy about it? Marjorie out, Birdie out, Leroy in bed. Well, suppose I could listen to the radio. I've missed date with Judy though, and Fibber McGee. All here,
19: all milling about in the street down here below us. As I say, the crowd is uh, milling about in the street here below us, and it is now just about one minute to midnight. The crowd waits milling about in the street here blows for the new year to come in. Let's listen to
2: them for a moment. Gosh, it's midnight there already. That means it's 11 here. Clock slow. Well, it's just about time. It's the moment we've
19: all been waiting for here. So now let's see how they're taking the new year in the dear old South, taking away
2: Atlanta. Atlanta? Yeah, uh, Leela could be there. Are well, you all listening, Pleasure
1: music of Amanda Copeland and his orchestra coming to you from the glamorous magnolia room of the Jefferson House. And now, here's a lovely little lady, one of the guests here. Won't you step up to the microphone, honey? Tell the folks what you think of this celebration. Well, I just think we're all just having just the loveliest time here. And I
7: just
19: love
2: New Year's. And I just wish you all could be here. Because we're just having
7: the loveliest time. I declare I think... Be- and there it is.
2: New Year folks. That girl, she sounded just like Leela. She couldn't have been though. Leela. How many New Year's Eves have I spent with Leela? She... Oh Ly, my dear. Oh line. We will take a cup. Kindness yet. Like fun, we will. Mila, where is she now? Married with somebody else. And Eve stood me up for a gym teacher. That's what you get for being a gentleman. After all the nice things you do for them all year. The chips are really down when it's New Year's Eve, what do you get? Left at home twiddling your thumbs while they're off cutting up with somebody else. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, happy new year. I'm making no resolutions this year. I'm just gonna be a bad boy. That's my only resolution. I'm gonna be a bad boy. Goodbye, George. I'm going to that ball, too. If nobody wants to go with me, all right. I'll be a lone wolf. Yes, sir. I'll get into my pirate suit, and I'll go down there, and if anybody thinks I'm fooling, she'll find out. (laughs) Pardon me. Pardon me. Hey, look where you're going. Oop. Uh, Floor slippery. (laughs) Better pull for the shore, mate. (laughs) Join the stag line over with a punch bowl. Pardon me. Pardon me. Well, a fellow pirate. Shiver my timbers in a yo-ho-ho.
13: Yo-ho-ho (laughs) yourself. Peavy, is that you? And never would have known you. Yeah, it's me, all right. (laughs) I'll bet you don't know who I am. No, I wouldn't say that. Happy New Year, Mr. Gildersleeve.
2: Somebody must have told you. Say, Peavy, I'm looking for the stag line. You know where it is? Sure, this is it right here. (laughs) You mean you're the stag line?
13: Where's Mrs. Peavy? She's dancing with George Washington. Soon as I can cut him out, we're going home. George Washington? Judge Hooker. There they go now. Hello,
2: dear... Hooker, the old goat, in knee breeches and silk stockings. Well, there's no use standing here moping, Peavy. We're pirates. Let's be pirates. Grab ourselves a couple... Say, how about that lady bareback, right?
13: I know her myself. Interesting costume. You said it. Come on, let's grab some girls, Peavy. Uh, you grab one. I'll watch. Huh? Uh,
2: have to wait till the band starts again, anyway. Now what?
19: Ladies and gentlemen, your
2: kind attention, please. Chief Gates... Is that who it
13: is, Peavy? That's right. He's the Grand Marshal. <laughs> Must be going to say something.
19: Your attention, please. <laughs> it's been called to my attention that some of the gentlemen have been smoking here in the auditorium. Smoking in the auditorium is against the fire regulations. Gentlemen who wish to, wish to smoke, will kindly go outside, or they can smoke in the boys' locker room in the southwest corner of the building.
13: I thank you. Mm. <laughs> Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, gonna try for the bareback rider?
2: You bet. What's more, I'm gonna get her.
13: Well, go ahead. Here she comes. Don't worry,
2: I see her. If I can Hi, Commissioner. Happy New Year. Happy New
13: Year, Peavy. Happy New Year. For heaven's sake, another pirate? Is that you, Floyd? It ain't Captain Kidd. Well, I'll see you later got my eye on that lady bareback rider. Oh, no, you don't. I got my eye on her. So what? It's a free country. You're a
2: married man, Floyd. Isn't your wife here? Sure she's
13: here, but there's no law says I got to dance with her all night. You lay off that lady bareback rider. You better get this
2: settled, gentlemen. Here she comes. She's mine. Uh, Don't move, Floyd. Pardon me, fair maiden. May I cut in? Hey, beat it, will you? I just got her a minute ago myself. That doesn't make any difference. You're supposed to... Nuts. (laughs) What happened, Mr. Gildersleeve? A fellow just got her. I decided to give him a break. Horse feathers. She's just choosy, that's all. I tried her a couple of
13: times myself.
2: Oh, is that so? Wait till next time around, I'll show you. Here comes something, Mr.
13: Gildersleeve. In the hula skirt there. Looks pretty good. For you, I mean. Hula skirt? Say.
2: Listen, Commissioner, I... I don't need any advice or help from you, Floyd. Okay. Pardon me, fair maiden. May I cut in?
14: You sure may.
2: (laughs) See you later, pirates. I'll be
13: darned. He got her. Yeah, he got her all right. I tried to warn him, but he wouldn't listen. What do you mean? That's the wife. Well, serves him right for being such a bullhead.
7: I was first going with Floyd, Mr. Gildersleeve, he used to take me to dances all the time. Yeah. He used to be nice and light on his feet, but he's terrible now. I suppose it's from standing around that barber chair all day, that'll give anybody fallen arches. And then he's put on so much weight. Yes. Whatever it is, I'm crazy about dancing, but he don't seem to care for
2: it. <laughs> Would you like some punch or something, Mrs. Munson?
7: Oh, no, I'm not thirsty. I'd rather just dance, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> told me once you wished I was a blonde instead of a brunette, so I went and got my hair bleached. You should have heard him holler. You think I look better blonde, Mr. Gildersleeve?
2: I guess so. I mean, not particularly. I mean, hi, Floyd. Hi, Commissioner.
13: Well, party,
2: ain't it? It's
7: nice to see Floydie enjoying himself for a change, as long as I'm having a good time, too. Yeah, yeah. and I had a terrible argument about my costume. He said he thought a hula skirt was too undignified, but I know what he meant. Yeah. He meant he thought I was too old for it. Oh? But I guess I showed him. What I say is a girl isn't too old unless she feels too old. Yeah. Do you think I'm too old for a hula skirt, Mr. Gilder, please?
2: Uh, Mrs. Munson, will you excuse me for a minute? I have to go to the boys' locker room. <laughs>
13: Well, 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 Gildy. Happy New Year.
2: Why aren't you dancing? I've been dancing, and you know it. Why didn't you cut in on me when I waved at you? (laughs) That hula skirt didn't fool me. Old goat. Say, here comes
13: the lady bareback rider. Who is she, anyway? I don't know. My impression is she's a little
2: too popular for the likes of us. Us? Speak for yourself, Hooker. There's nothing the matter with me. Just watch me. Pardon me, fair maiden. May I cut in? Oh, for Pete's sake. I just got her myself. What of it? You're supposed to let another fellow. I'll report you to the Grand Marshal. He's a friend of mine. Nuts. Yeah, here's one don't looks bad. Pardon me, Fair Maiden. May I cut in? Rockmorton. Of course you may. Eee, ee. Gosh, I didn't know it was you. You look wonderful in that uh, whatever it is.
15: <laughs> what a nice compliment.
2: It's a fact. Wouldn't have known it was you.
15: I'm supposed to be an Arabian princess.
2: Well, I'm a bold, bad pirate holding you for ransom. Say, uh, how about shaking this fellow you with? We could go over to my place.
15: Oh, I don't think I could do that.
2: Why not? And the chief again, the big show-off, stops the music every ten seconds so you can make a speech. Your attention, please, ladies and
19: gentlemen. In a few moments, we'll have the main event of the evening. The Gentleman's Foot Race. Followed by the unmasking... The Grand March and supper.
2: A foot race on this floor?
19: The regulations as agreed on by the arrangements committee are as follows The ladies will line up at the east end of the auditorium And the gentlemen at the opposite or
3: west end Uh, At the
19: signal, the men will race to claim their partners First come, (coughs) first serve That is, whoever you catch is your partner for the Grand March and for supper, Which will follow immediately
2: I thank you. Uh, Shall we dance some more, Eve?
15: If you like.
2: Say Eve, I've got an idea. Let's have supper together. Tell this gym teacher you promised me the supper dance.
15: But Throckmorton? You just heard the announcement. Everyone is supposed to race for supper party.
2: Well, we could get around it. We could sneak out right now and come back after the race is over.
15: Why, Throckmorton, that would be cheating. But if you win the race fair and square, I'd love to have supper with you
2: race on this floor against a professional athlete well if you don't care enough to try pardon you can... me may i cut in what the oh him oh
15: hello arthur thank you so much
2: for... you're welcome <laughs> my george i'd like to show her and that muscle man too lionel Strongfort. We could figure out a way to win that race oh why don't you look where you're going
19: All ready for the main event. Are the ladies in their places? Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen in their places. Yeah. Yeah, All right, I'll say one, two, three, and then strike this gong, which has been kindly provided by Chick Miller, our orchestra leader. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Lady Fairbairn. Mr. Morton P. Gildersleeve is the fastest man in the crowd. Let's give him a hand.
2: It it wasn't so much. How in the
19: dickens did you do it, Commissioner? Everybody else was sliding around and falling down.
2: I went outside and put on my rubbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I'll be darned. (laughs) I used my head, that's all.
19: Ladies and gentlemen, everyone will now
2: unmask. Well, here I am, fair maiden, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, at your service. Come on, you have to take yours off, too. Marjorie! I forbade you to... That costume, why, it's disgraceful. And now I'm stuck with you for supper.
16: You're stuck? I wanted to eat with Jerry, and now he's
15: got somebody else.
2: Why, George, I've got a mind to spank you. Happy
15: New Year, Marjorie. Same to you, Miss Goodwin. Oh, I think it was sweet of you to choose Marjorie as your partner, Throckmorton. After all, New Year's Eve is a time for families to be together.
2: Oh, what's the use?
15: Sing, Marjorie
2: acquaintance for God and days of old lang syne. Lang syne. Say, honky. Nuts. Oh, oh, lang syne, my dear. Oh, oh lang syne. Will take a cup of wine can't even manage to be a bad boy
1: The Great Gildersleeve Slave will be with us again shortly I suppose every one of us would like to know what's ahead in 1947 Well, at the Kraft Foods Company, we have high hopes that delicious country-sweet parquet margarine will be available in larger quantities this coming year. More parquet will be produced just as quickly as more fine, wholesome farm products are available. And perhaps the time isn't far off when there'll be plenty of parquet margarine for everyone. And here's one thing you can be sure of. Every single pound of parquet you buy in 1947 will be the same fine quality as always. Rich in good flavor. High in food energy. Every pound reliably fortified with 15,000 units of vitamin A. So look first for this margarine of Kraft quality. Look first for Parquet. P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet margarine. Made by Kraft.
2: (laughs) Hee hee. Pass the cinnamon rolls, will you,
10: Marjorie?
2: I don't care. I don't feel good. I need nourishment. For heaven's sake, can't the chief even let us eat in peace?
19: Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. The committee of judges have asked me to announce the name of the lady they have chosen as queen of the masked ball. I'm happy to announce that her majesty is Miss Marjorie Gildersleeve Forrester.
2: Ah, She's my niece. She's my niece, you hear? By George Gildersleeve, blood will tell.
1: The Great Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It is written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore. The music is by Jack Meekin. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley as Leroy, Louise Erickson as Marjorie, and Lillian Randolph as Bertie. Judge Hooker is Earl Ross, and Dick Legrand as Mr. Peavy. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company and inviting you to listen in again
2: next Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. night, Happy New Year. See you in Memphis next week. <laughs> this is NBC,
0: the National Broadcasting Company.